When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to the Record Rangers podcast, recorded in isolation. I am in one part of Glasgow, Scott is in another. We're actually not too far away, but we're not going to reveal where we are for obvious <laughs> reasons. Twitter's bad enough without giving away our addresses. <laughs> we're going to be talking about all sorts today. Alistair Johnson claiming that uh, a Celtic title would always have an asterisk next it. Uh, next to it, should I say. Um, that is asterisk and not Asterix, which I have probably been saying it's a, a, a Viking or a Gaul or whatever he was, the cartoon character. Uh, we will be we will be taking your questions as well as uh, going to a pre-recorded interview I did with a Rangers fan who is providing uh, real mental health support to fellow supporters through uh, a Facebook page and a new website that I'm going to be talking to him about later on. Scott. Uh, let's get started with the, the news today. Alistair Johnson saying that a Celtic title would carry an asterisk next to it. He said people have been talking to him about how it could be eight and a half in a row. Uh, what's your reaction? I'm not surprised, Johnny. Uh, whenever Alistair Johnson speaks, there's invariably a, a nice headline to come with it, which as a journalist, I'm never going to uh, I'm never going to complain about. Uh, so fair play to him for that, but. Uh, listen, it's one of these things that will get you know, Rangers and Celtic fans uh, bickering with each other again over this. It's just going to keep going and going. Um, but ultimately, it kind of gets back to I mean, when, when you're arguing about <clears throat> you know, whether Celtic should be handed the title now, you know, if the season comes to an end or um, whatever. I, I just it, it surprises me sometimes hearing Celtic fans kind of almost wanting to end the season now and give you no know, get the title handed over because I think you touched on it in the last podcast. I mean if that happened then you no know, it would be the case that you no know, twenty, thirty years down the line when you're looking back at the history books and people were asking no no was that the the, the years that Celtic did you no know, eight, nine, ten in a row they would always ask about what happened in that season uh you no know, nineteen twenty why no, why was it? Um, what what was what was different about that? And you have to explain, obviously, that the league the league finished early, albeit Celtic were um, a good few points ahead, but there were you no know, ten ten games of the season uh, left to go. So there would always be that kind of you no know, that Dubai about it, and whether it was really properly earned as one of the you no know, as one of your nine in a row or, or ten in a row. So listen. Alistair Johnson knows what he's doing. He's obviously a Rangers man. He's appealing to the, the Rangers fans that a lot of supporters will kind of love reading that this morning and agreeing with it. Whether Celtic fans will think the same, eh, I'm not so sure. But listen, he, he's got a point because if that was to happen, and I know proper Celtic people, proper Celtic fans, you know, wouldn't want to be handed the title like that. I think you know, they would want to see this season out and win it. 
uh, win it outright for themselves. Um, and as I say, I think proper uh, punters would would want that and not not have that kind of no. It's you kind of call it a black mark because listen, the Celtic are deservedly top of the league. They look odds-on favourites to go on and win it if we ever get this campaign started up again. But I'm sure they would want to do it in their own right because, as I said, you would always kind of look back and think, no, that that was the year where no the season wasn't played out to a finish. Yeah, I think Celtic fans will always say, well, look, we were the better team over 30 games. Yeah. And we were, if you strike off the game in hand, we were 10 points clear. And we were dominant after the break. But at the same time, I think Rangers fans will look at it and say, well, you know, we've got that game in hand. That brings it down to 10. We've got the two old firm games. We've played very, very well against Celtic and uh, these yeah. derby matches. So we fancy our chances to bring that down to four. I think Rangers fans will always say it's got an asterisk. An, yeah. an asterisk and I think Celtic fans will always say, well, we were clear. So what, what do the actual neutrals think about this, Scott? I think most neutrals will look at that and say, Celtic have won the title, but you can't say it was a fair and square normal title. You just simply no. can't. There's eight games still to play. So, so can um, you include? So can you include it in a nine in a row or a ten in a row? No, well, this is this is the thing. You can yeah. and they will, but Rangers fans will genuinely feel that that doesn't count. So, yeah. I think for Celtic to win ten in a row and for it to feel unequivocal, they'll now have to win eleven. Um, yeah. Now, now they'll always be able to claim they did ten if they get next season's title if, if they're awarded this title. But I think even Celtic fans in their own hearts will know that a, 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 yeah, a league title that stops after after 30 games, in, in Rangers' case, 29 games, would not necessarily be a true unequivocal title. Yeah. Now, listen, we've got bigger things to worry about in the yeah, world, exactly. uh, to be honest. But that is the long and short of it, as far as I'm concerned. You'll never change Rangers fans' mind. You'll never... Uh, change Celtics fans' mind, but I think most people who are who are unbiased and don't have a stake in the game that I've talked to have sort of said, "Well, you know, I can see the point of view of both sides in this. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's really no exactly. right and wrong answer to it." Um, <laughs> but it's going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out. Scott, do you do you think that this season will continue? Because I just can't see it. <sighs> I've I've kind of flipped back and forward on this, Johnny, and I probably have again in the last week or so. I mean, last week it seemed for certain, you no, know, with the vibes coming out of you no know, out of Hamden, out of the SPFL, um, that they were going to call it call it a day here and now, and and you no know, make Celtic champions. Obviously, Hearts would get down, Dundee United up. Um, I think there was a. No, there was a real uh, kind of eagerness to give clubs a bit of clarity, you know, make it look as if the the league authorities were kind of making concrete decisions and being proactive. Uh, also, crucially, it would allow them to give out the you know, the prize money for the league placings, which a lot of smaller clubs are obviously relying on at this at this particular time. However, you know, over the weekend, obviously, I wrote a story about. No Rangers and Hearts in particular and their feelings towards that and how 
no, those two clubs would be looking to to lobby other clubs um, to adhere to the to the directive coming down for UEFA, which has very much been about getting this season played out. Um, we all know the kind of you know the kind of threats that have been coming for for UEFA for wanting a better a better phrase um, about you know the potentially. Uh, well, the potential situation of clubs missing out on Champions League or Europa League placings, and when you look into it in a bit more detail, <laughs> in terms of the kind of rules and regulations mm-hmm. and the kind of legal implications of of calling it a halt just now, that made me kind of flip back again, and now we're seeing kind of stories at the start of this week that you no know, Belgium or maybe having a rethink um, about calling a halt to their season after speaking to UEFA. So I'm really, no, the short answer is I don't know. I, I'm not sure now what they're going to do. My, my gut feeling is still that I, I just don't see how games are going to get played now, um, No, even going right up to June or July. I mean, listen, if they can somehow get the season finished by the end of July... Um, get these games played, and then you no know, deal with next season. Then whether it makes next season a bit shorter, you no know, cutting out league cup games or whatever. If they can somehow get a scenario where they can play this season out by the end of July, you no know, that that could still happen. But with this coronavirus and what's happening around the world, it, it doesn't look like ending anytime soon. And I think hoping for a season to be finished by the end of July is looking extremely optimistic. And I think if it goes beyond that, then it would be it would be really difficult and they would need to just uh, need to just call the season at some point or else you're getting you know, you're getting really into uncharted territory in terms of starting starting next season. Yeah, I have to agree. I, I... Uh, the big buzzword that's been used over and over again is obviously sporting integrity. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I think hasn't been fully considered is the impact of sporting integrity, not just on shutting the league early, but say you do play behind closed doors. Now, I was speaking to a colleague down south who, who covers the Premier League, and he was saying, well, there's not just issues with the shutdown per se. If you're a Wolves who has Molyneux, which creates an incredible atmosphere, and, and, and yeah. the team down there, um, Nuno's, Nuno's team, have yeah. have a tremendous home record. Yeah. Now, if they're playing games behind closed doors, yeah, they are already that. losing a, a level of sport and integrity because they're going up against teams who had a full support behind them in the the first game. And now in the second game, they don't. So these these issues with regards to that, I mean, he was saying, you know, the season will have an asterisk on it regardless uh, from his point of view. And that, that's someone without purely, a stake in the game. Yeah, purely from a fan's point of view, um, the, behind, <clears throat> the behind closed doors thing is just a no-no for me. Now, listen, it might happen just uh, because of finances and because of what's at stake in the Premier League and it's you no know, a wash with millions down there and you no know, TV money and, and whatever and it might it might have to happen uh, for some clubs to go and play these games behind closed doors but purely from a uh, from a fan's point of view or a, even a, even armchair viewers you no know, watching it on TV I mean it would just be ridiculous I think to play the to play the season out behind closed doors I mean it just I don't know what you think, but I mean, it just wouldn't be wouldn't be football for me watching it. Well, with yeah. no fans every game. I mean, the odd game 
when maybe a stadium's been closed or something, you can just about no, you can just about take. I mean, it's difficult to watch, but no, the odd game isn't too bad. But when you're talking about like a full Premier League card or a full Scottish Premiership card, no, being played behind closed doors and games on TV, I mean, I just think it would be ridiculous. I completely know where you're coming from, Scott. But again, talking to people, I was speaking to a friend who covers German football. And he was saying that they're briefing, they think that it would be unlikely for games to get started behind closed doors until December. So, I I mean, it's... I mean, obviously, this is all speculation. It's dependent on every individual country. But... If clubs in Scotland were forced to wait, for example, to December, yeah. how how could they begin that, to get money? And they would have to play them behind closed doors to try and just get at least the TV money. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is an existential threat yeah. to football below the elite level, really, isn't it? But you can't be even getting the TV money and <clears throat> no, a game behind closed doors for. No, for Mullerwell or Kilmarnock or no, so they need the gate money. No, they need the programmes and the pies and the bovros and that's how they they make their money. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's uh, no, even getting the TV money playing behind closed doors. I, I think teams or clubs in Scotland would struggle to survive if you're saying no, get the games behind closed doors, but you can't get any proper income uh, until December. I mean, that would be a disaster, and that's what I mean by as soon as it goes beyond the end of, the end of July and there's still no football play, there are no players back training, um, and you know, the season can't be can't be done by that point, or can't be finished by that point, I think that's when you really need to say, like, enough's enough's enough. Um, because you need to then start thinking about the next season and the following season and <clears throat> I know yeah. the Qatar World Cup's coming up and you know, logistically you could maybe work something where you have like a kind of summer season to, to tie in with that but it's a logistical nightmare um, I think, you, as I say, I think you could just about get away with it if you can somehow cram these games into the summer No, it's not as if the players need a pre-season now, they're effectively doing a pre-season on their own uh, at the moment while the games are off. If you can squeeze the games in through the summer and then basically roll on to a new new season um, after a a couple of weeks break effectively, um, or maybe start a couple of weeks later than than it would have normally started, then you can maybe just about get away with it, uh, cancelling League Cup games and stuff. But as I say, as soon as it goes beyond that stage, <clears throat> there will come a point where we need to say, no, enough's enough. And I think at that point, if this virus is still no impact and uh, all of us as it is just now, then no, you need to kind of hold your hands up and, and just accept it. Yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Obviously, everything is dependent on the individual country and that individual country's strategy for dealing with the virus. Yeah. So, you know, I've read stories about the Premier League potentially looking at the idea of taking their games to somewhere like, for example, China, where the virus is under significantly more control by all accounts, certainly in some regions of China, Yeah. to, to actually play the games there. Now, this is obviously wacky stuff, and it yeah. seems wacky, but... <laughs> This is the kind of the kind of steps that they are considering, according to some reports. 
Um, now, obviously, Scottish football is in a completely different situation. They're not going to pitch up and, you know, <laughs> on, on, a, on a Caribbean island to, to, to play the rest of the game, as much as some players might fancy that. Um, but, but everything really is on the table at this stage because each individual country's <clears throat> rate of um, transmission of the virus is going to affect when sport can actually return. Listen, I'm going to going to move on to another question. Bring a bring a bit of focus to this, Scott, because we're getting yeah. quite broad. Um, I've got one from Auken uh, on Twitter. I hope I pronounced that correctly. He said, "Why do the media constantly go on about Celtic being awarded the title yet want league reconstruction to avoid Hearts going down?" Now, I've seen this comment a few times, Scott. I'll get you. I'll give you my take. My 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 opinion on it, Auken is that. Everyone wants to try and do the best possible thing they can. So it's not really about giving Celtic the title or sending hearts down or making this decision or making that decision. It's trying to do the best for everyone. It's trying to find an agreement where it's the best, worst possible solution because there are no easy situations. So... Hearts is a problem because Hearts are, I think, four points behind in the table, but it's still more than recoverable when you look at their squad. If they can just get themselves back on track, they could easily get out of the situation they're in. Uh, it's very, very achievable. Now, to yeah. relegate them would be another big problem, just like the title's a big problem. So if yeah. you can do reconstruction and therefore solve that problem, it's one less thing to worry about. That's my take on Scotch. Listen, I, I, th- I think the relegation thing is a bigger problem than Celtic in the title because, well, Celtic are well for a start. Celtic are further ahead you know, than than what Hearts are behind at the bottom. So th- there's a stronger argument there, and also, you no know, Celtic getting the trophy. You no know, Rangers would still be in Europe. Now we know it's no ideal, but if it, if it happened, you no, know, it doesn't impact people that. That badly, no Celtic are champions and Rangers are Rangers are saying that the bottom of the league, no by relegating Hearts when they're only a few points behind and have a real genuine chance to claw that back and go and go above someone and survive, no to make a big decision on that, knowing that when no when any club goes to the championship or gets relegated to the championship, but particularly a big club. Like that, with the overheads Hearts have got um, and the wages that they're paying, no, that's a major problem for for Hearts in terms of you know, people's livelihoods and uh, no, no, the people surviving there in terms of their jobs. So, I think there's a lot more at stake with the relegation issue, and I agree with you. That's why the the reconstruction thing has come up is to try and find. No, try and find the as you say, but try to find a solution that basically upsets the least amount of the least amount of people, which I know doesn't sound great, but no, as we keep saying, it's unprecedented. So something something has to happen. Um, and just to get back to your earlier point about you know, the the guy in Twitter asking about, you no, know, why does the media constantly call on for Celtic to get the title? I mean, I don't. <laughs> I don't get that. I mean, people people who have been calling for Celtic to get the title are people within football, albeit a lot of them Celtic connected, whether it be ex-players, ex-managers, or whatever. So you would expect people to say that. I don't know why no, punters seem to get their knickers in a twist when an ex-Celtic player comes out and says, oh, that I would give Celtic the title. I mean, what do they expect? 
these people to say? Would they expect Mikel Lustig to say when asked about whether Celtic should get the title, especially given that he's, you know, he's going through a similar uh, situation in Belgium where it's where it's actually happened. So, um, I don't know if it's the media saying Celtic should win the title. It's people who are connected with connected with Celtic who have been who have been asked the question or have got a column or, or whatever, and it's no surprise that they think. Um, no, that they think it should be given to them at this stage if the season's called to a halt. But I'm sure there'll be plenty of Rangers guys out there. I know Alec Ray is one of them, is quite vocal on social media and stuff, who would obviously be against the idea. That's just that's just the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, question here from um, GJE. And he's saying, is the current state of Scottish football uh, and the current state that Scottish football finds itself in the fault of Carol Baskin? What I saw this Carol Baskin stuff, I'm totally <laughs> lost with us. Tell me that you've been, you've not been watching Tiger King. Surely you've been watching Tiger no, King on Netflix. Oh, is it, I've heard about Tiger King, but I've not watched it. No, is that where it comes from? I yeah. So there's a there's this documentary on Netflix. I think it's a seven part documentary about these uh, roadside zoos in right. rural Bible Belt America. Uh, and it's run by this sort of uh, mullet-wearing uh, borderline. Uh, yeah. Um, so he, he's he's a he's a, a wacky guy. Put it this way. Uh, and um, Carol Baskin is one of, is is a, the owner of a sort of tiger sanctuary, who uh, is um, trying to shed light on the fact these roadside uh, zoos are cruel. But she has a has a sort of secret of her own. Um, and this all emerges over the over the course of the documentary, right. which is absolutely bonkers, brilliant <laughs> entertainment, and I would I would highly recommend it to anyone. Right, um, yeah, but these uh, Carol Baskin memes that you're seeing all over the internet are because this uh, this this documentary is taken off, understandably, given people are stuck in the house looking for something to watch. Yeah, and it's just exactly. utterly it's utterly bonkers, Scott. So <laughs> JGE, no, the state of Scottish football has nothing to do with Carol Baskin. <laughs> Um, another one from at Chris Lives. He's asking, why is no one mentioning that next season is going to be a difficult prospect? No chance of full stadiums being allowed before we have a real handle on COVID. We've kind of touched on this, Scott, but yeah. I'll put this question to you that comes off the back of this comment that's been made by Chris on Twitter here. If we are in a situation whereby we're not free to this virus, and I can't imagine any situation where we'd be completely free to this virus, say by September, October time. Can you imagine a situation whereby social distancing takes place within stadiums? So we're a Rangers podcast, so let's talk about Ibrox, where Rangers were able to sell, say, 20,000 tickets with one or two seats between each person that's sitting in the stadium. Is that even possible? How how do you work that, Johnny? So so you're sitting two metres away from the stadium, then what happens when you get down to the the pie stall at half time is everybody two metres apart is everybody two metres no, there's a guy standing outside the toilets to make sure there's only a certain amount of people going in at the, at the one time again it's just uh, it would just seem ridiculous I mean I know we're all trying to find possible solutions to this and you know, we're getting worried about where we might be come August, September but uh, no, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves I mean without what it sound too boring on it we need to take it we need to take this one week at a time. 
mean, we're seeing different reports, different news reports every day. You know, I was reading stuff yesterday that now, you know, Italy and Austria and Australia are now on the kind of downward curve with us, and you no, know, hopefully they're hoping that shops and businesses and that will start opening, uh, you know, within the next couple of weeks. And obviously, we're hoping that we'll not be too far. Uh, too far behind some of these countries, um, and then obviously you're reading other stuff, and you're saying oh, it might be it might be December, or no, it might be, it might not be totally clear of it, even September. We just we don't know. So to start talking about no social distancing stadiums when we start getting back up, no, only twenty thousand Ibrooks and stuff. I just I think we're getting we're getting carried away with it. We need to, as you say, safety is the number one priority. We need to rid ourselves of this before we start. There's people dying running about us. Um, and we need to you know, rid ourselves of this completely before before we start uh, talking about you no know, football and, and full stadiums getting getting played again. So um we just need to take it a week a week at a time, I'm afraid. Okay, we're going to get on to some football-related questions now, Scott. We've got one from Thank Rangers. <laughs> we've got some. What, we've got one from Rangers Bants. He said, "Remember a few months ago, you and Scott spoke about Lewis Ferguson and said he'd be a good option for us. If you had to choose <clears throat> Haji or Ferguson, who would you choose? For me, Haji is a must. Now, Scott, you're a big yep. admirer of Lewis Ferguson. You've never had that on the podcast, yep. but you've also said that you think uh, Haji is an absolute must-buy." So yep. where do we stand on that? See, this is a proper question. This is us getting back to football now. This is what I like. Um, listen, it is a good question because I do admire both of them. Um, I think Lewis Ferguson's a cracking player. You know, from when I first seen him at, at Hamilton coming through, I just thought he was a bit, a bit different. I thought he'd something, something a bit special. You forget how young he is, given the amount of games he's played at the top flight in Scotland. Uh, he's done a great job for for Derek McInnes at Aberdeen. He can play in a couple of different positions. I actually don't think we've seen the best of him, partly because because of the position that he's had to take up at times with Aberdeen, playing a lot more deeper. Um, I'd like to see him. <clears throat> I think he can cause more damage uh, further forward. But... It would be a brilliant signing for Rangers. We, we've said this all along. If they could get him, uh, it would fit into a Steven Gerrard team. Uh, I think he has the right mentality. Um, I think he's shown qualities. Um, no, I've seen qualities in him that I think would make him a, a really good Rangers player. I think he could handle the, the pressure and the expectation that comes with it. Um, but the problem with trying to get him is he's going to cost a lot of money in Aberdeen. I'm not going to give them a, a give them to one of their rivals uh, cheaply, so it's certainly worth exploring whether they could get him. <clears throat> but I think it might be difficult at this stage in his his kind of current contract. Um, in terms of Hadji, I actually agree with Rangers Bants. I think uh, I think this boy, you no, know, could be a potential superstar for Rangers, and I don't think there are many of these uh, players kicking about. I think Rangers were. I think Rangers did brilliantly to get him on loan at that time. I think they've did even better to get him, to get a exclusive option to buy. Um, we've touched on it. Obviously, this pandemic is going to hit clubs financially. We don't know what kind of money Rangers are going to have to spend. Um, you no, know, when this season or when next season gets gets up and running again, but they do have the option of buying Hadji for. 
what we believe is around uh, four million quid. And as I say, I, I think they should go for him. I think no, he's only twenty one. No, we all know how two footed he is. Um, in the games he's played already for Rangers, I like what I see in terms of his hunger, his desire, no willingness to take responsibility, willingness to make things happen in a game on his own. And he's come into a Rangers team who weren't playing well at all. And no, he's done things in certain games. Obviously, Braggers the one that stands out. No, they go against Hibs. I think for a boy his age to come into that situation and produce those kind of moments um, is really encouraging. And I, I genuinely believe Rangers should uh, should push the boat out to, to get him. I don't know what you think. No, I agree that he's a really, really, really talented young player and I've been impressed by what I've seen of him. But I do have my concerns about how technical this Rangers side is and whether or not part of the problem with the slide since the break has been a lack of fight, a lack of physicality, and you don't have to look too far back into Rangers history to see the teams of Walter Smith, the last sort of really successful league-winning sides, were just filled with big, strong guys that would physically pulverise teams to a point that they would eventually break. This low block situation that we've talked about in depth over the last two or three years on this podcast has been with Rangers for, for 40 years. Yeah. But they always had the ability allied to a physicality. And I just worry a little bit about this team is that the, the pendulum of, of physicality te- to technical quality has swung a little bit too far towards technicality, technical um, so, so my concern is if you're going to spend a big lump sum on, on Haji, are are you still going to have the money to go out and address that power issue? Yeah, because I do the, think the, Rangers need to add in that area as a priority. Yeah, so, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. And and when if it comes down to money, and obviously they look at budgets and they can't you no know, weighing everything up in terms of what they, what Stephen Gerrard thinks he needs. If they can't afford that then they can't afford it. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. I, I, would, I would accept that. But just in terms of the you know, the type of player he is and talking about physicality, even in those teams that you that you talked about, you know, whether it be Walter Smith or uh, even before that, you know, I agree with you that Rangers used to bludgeon teams a lot of the time with, with their power and stuff. But, but I think within those teams, they also had players, technical players, who... No, people talk about being brave and being, you no, know, having the mentality or having the physique or whatever. I mean, you can still be a small technical player, but have that that desire and the hunger and the mentality to play for Rangers. I mean, the likes of Nacho Novo and Stephen Naismith come to mind, or Neil McCann. Um, Neil McCann, you no, know, watching that game the other night, or uh, even Stephen Davis. You no, know, when he first came in, you no, know, so technical, but bought into what it meant to, to play for Rangers and what, what was required. So I think within that setup, you still need those technical players. If you can get a technical player with with the hunger and the, the desire that, that Hadji's got, I think you absolutely you absolutely go and go and get him. And that's why I think I think for Rangers to have a have a boil at Hadji in their grasp as they do now, to let him go I think they would they might regret it further down the line when they see you no know, kind of where he ends up and, and what he goes on to what he goes on to achieve. 
listen, part of capitalism, Scott, is that when there's a, a disaster, financial or otherwise, there are always people willing to take advantage. Yeah. Is there a sense that, that, that someone like Lewis Ferguson would be more gettable for Rangers now, given the situation as it stands? Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, I mean, you're right, Aberdeen are obviously, I mean, they've taken measures this week to, to try and kind of ease the, the financial pain uh, that this is this is causing, obviously, with players uh, deferring some of their wages, just as, uh, just as the Rangers players have done, obviously. So, Listen, if we were talking about four million for Hadji, if you went into Aberdeen and said, "No, we, we want Lewis Ferguson," there's a bid of you know, two and a half million, two million even. I mean, are, are Aberdeen really in a position to, to turn that down? I mean, I'm sure Derek McInnes would want to turn it down immediately from a footballing point of view. But given everything that's happening now and the situation Aberdeen might find themselves in. Um, financially in, in six months' time or, or whatever, um, you know, maybe you know, Dave Cormack would look at a, a kind of two million pound offer and think, listen, this will this will sort us out here. We need to, you know, we bought the kid for, um, I think when it went to a tribunal, they ended up getting him for like like a hundred grand, hundred and fifty grand. So to to bring a boy in like that for Hamilton for that money and be able to sell him on for. You know, upwards of two million pound would be would be brilliant business, whether it's you know, whether you like it or not, that, that it's Rangers that's trying to buy. Got a couple of questions here around squad for next season. Nick Hickman says, planning for next season, who do you think needs to come and go? Um and uh, RFC ninety nine, who from Rangers strongest starting eleven should be replaced in the summer? Also any suggestions on names or type of players who should be brought in instead. So quite a lot to to chew over there. Scott, let's look at the starting yep. eleven first and foremost. Yeah. We've got Alan McGregor. I don't think we're going to have any uh, complaints or questions. Now let's just look at the defence because that's maybe where you would first look just, to, just, to make just, changes. Just, just on the just on the goalies, Johnny. I mean I, I know what you're saying about Alan McGregor and I agree with you. I've said this before and I expect him to be Rangers number one again next season and I would have no complaints with that. I do however think Rangers need to sign a, a goalkeeper um and a, a, a good quality goalkeeper. I've said this before because I think Alan McGregor is you no know, getting towards that stage of the career, uh, but it's getting towards the end. Um, I'm not saying he's made any kind of glaring mistakes, but you're now kind of you're just looking at some of the goals Rangers have conceded and thinking you know, they're going to need to put pressure on Al McGregor by signing another another goalkeeper because you know, Wes Fodrium and Jack Anik will be gone uh, when this season is over. I would expect, um, and I think you no, know, they're going to need to go and sign a, a quality goalkeeper. Obviously, they've got Robbie McCrory in the background. But I think they, they need to go and sign somebody. And I would look... I, I mentioned on here before about the Braga goalkeeper who Rangers came up against. Um, was it Matthias, the, the goalkeeper yeah. for Braga, who was absolutely terrific in, in both games? I would certainly be looking at him. And if if he's too costly, another one that comes to mind that I would certainly consider, and he's been linked with Rangers, is the goalie at St Mirren, uh, Halaki, yeah. who... Has been uh, has been excellent in games against Rangers, and he uh, I think he's available on a on a free obviously when his contracts up at St Mirren. So I would certainly be exploring those two and others um, because I think they need to bring a, a keeper in, in in the summer. My concern with that Scott is this: there's been a lot of talk about the pathway to the first team for talented youngsters. Yeah, and I think we. 
we have to get to a stage where, and this applies to not just Rangers, but all Scottish football clubs, where we take that concept seriously. And if you've yeah. got a talent like Robbie McCrory, who is good enough to go straight into the team at Livingston, who are a sort of top 10 premiership club by most people's reckoning and certainly by the league table as it stands, then I think he's good enough to be the deputy at Rangers and learn from Alan McGregor, maybe step in in certain cup games. I think you need to take the opportunity to give these young guys actual game time to find out whether or not they're up to it. Now, Alan, Mc- I always think back to Alan McGregor, Scott. Just let me just finish on this. Yeah. I always think back to Alan McGregor, age 24. He'd been out on loan. He only got in the side because the big signing for Rangers, Lionel Letizzi, under Paul Le Guin, was a disaster. Yeah. That's the only reason he got in. And he, he got in under duress. You know, like, yeah. Paul Le Guin didn't really want to bring him in. And, 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 and he, he had to really leave... Uh, Paul Le Guin for it to be truly cemented that McGregor was the number one. Uh, yeah. I think I think back to other players who have kind of had accidental transitions into the first team. I think Kieran Tierney when he came into the Celtic team, for example, it was because they had a number of injuries at left yeah, back. Yeah. It wasn't like here's a guy that we're we're bringing through, and of course Kieran Tierney exploded. Now my take would be, let's have a managed approach to bringing these guys in. Let's let's deliberately do it. Let's not just yeah. turn to them yeah. in a in a crisis. Yeah, but listen, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I couldn't be more uh, you know, vocal in terms of wanting young Scottish players to get a chance. Um, and the same goes for Robbie McCrory. But I actually think Rangers have been very good in managing his development so far. And I don't disagree with you that, that you know, he's, he, he might be ready for a, a chance at Rangers. But my, my gut is that no, this is, where Alan McGregor is at his career and where Robbie McCrory is at the moment in his career, I think McGregor certainly at least got another year in him and McCrory to me looks like somebody who needs another year playing uh, no, top flight football elsewhere on loan. No, you're saying you want him to get game time but by the same token you want him to come back and sit for a year on the bench as Alan McGregor's understudy. I mean, I, I, want, I would want to see Robbie McCrory replacing Alan McGregor and going straight in when when he's when he's ready, no sitting on the, the Rangers bench for, for a, a season. So I, I genuinely I, McCrory's done well at Livingston so far, but he's made a few mistakes. I think there's still a few a few rough edges that need to be uh, need to be sorted out so and need to be smoothed over. So I think another year playing premiership, whether it's at Livingston or or Mullerwell or St Murn or wherever um, will do him the world of good, and and I think you no, know, then he would be you no, know, he might be ready to go and to go and challenge McGregor or whoever else might be there at that time. But he's got he's still got to prove that he's that he's good enough, and he's got to get in and prove that he can be a that he can be a Rangers goalkeeper. Now I believe he's capable of that, but I don't think the time is right for him at the moment, or certainly no getting into a season where Rangers could be uh, trying to stop Celtic winning, winning 10 in a row. So I, I think another year uh, out in loan at Scottish Premiership or in England or wherever, somewhere at a good level, and then he'd be willing to, then he'd be, uh, no, he'd be more able to come back and, and really, really challenge Alan McGregor or whoever might be there for the, for the number one spot. I think that's a fair point, and obviously this COVID-19 crisis has badly affected him because he would have had a full half-season under his belt playing for Livingston. 
Um, so, so that's probably um, not been ideal for him in terms of his development. So perhaps you're right. Perhaps going away and getting that that game time that he's missed out on yeah. uh, would give him the lift to come back the season after. But I, I do th- moving on to the defence. I do think yeah. that point that I made applies to, for example, someone like uh, the, the two kids, Maxwell and Patterson, left back and right back yeah. for the youth team. You know, you've got players like John Flanagan who are going to be out of contract, Matt Polster who hasn't really done an awful lot. He's been okay. You know, do you want to have these more established pros or do you want to get these young guys in as the as the understudies so they can learn, they're training every day with the first team, they're playing maybe 10 or 15 games. I think I would rather have one of those guys in there playing that amount of games than, say, a Flanagan who comes in, you know, yeah. intermittently. I, I agree. If they're good enough, Johnny, that's the key thing. I know it sounds, sounds simple, but, no, we, we we hear all the time how good Nathan Patterson's been and you know, Maxwell's been terrific and he's under 20 games and stuff. And I, I totally agree that to see if these boys are good enough, they, no, they, they need a chance. They need to go in and... Um, no, they need to get an opportunity to show they can do it. So I'm all for it. All I would say is Stephen Gerrard is seeing these boys every day. He knows them inside out. Um, no, he's getting the info for the coaches uh, underneath him at, uh, at the training centre. He will know if they're ready to, to go in. And no, and we're not. We're, we, the acid test here is no would a, a, a Maxwell or a Patterson if Rangers no one of the fullbacks were injured and you're going away to Pataudry for instance no for a uh, no a big game in the, in the league no would Stephen Gerrard feel confident and comfortable enough putting one of these boys in? Does he believe he's ready? If he does. No, I'm all for it. Get them in, um, let them show people what they can what they can do. But he, first of all, he needs to be no, he needs to be comfortable enough that these boys are ready and they're good enough to go and be the, the understudy. And listen, for a, for a general Scottish point of view, I hope they are because it'd be brilliant if Rangers went into next season. No, if they're two fullbacks, are Tavernier and Barisic, but no, the understudies are, are Patterson and Maxwell for everyone, uh, for Rangers and for. No, for Scottish football in general, that would be that would be brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. What about centre half, Scott? Um, do you feel that um, there's a a decision to be made there? We've obviously had a reasonable season overall out of the four that they have there. No one's been disastrous, but there's this sense, I think, looking back, that perhaps there's a few more mistakes coming out of these guys at vital moments than they should make and perhaps Listen, they need a, a grizzled veteran in there who just shells I the know, ball out I know you're desperate for a grizzled veteran uh, <laughs> but I'm just no, I'm not sure Johnny I'd Listen, they have made mistakes. Obviously, they could have been better. Uh, certain games, big moments this season so far. But well, Stephen Gerrard will look at it. He's got four centre halves there who have cost the club a good bit of money. You know, when you combine the four uh, transfers up, I think they're at good ages. You no, know, Connor Golson being the experienced one. You no, know, then Hollander, Swedish international. Um, no, he'll be better uh, next season as well. Yeah, he'll be better next season because definitely. he's had a season. 
Yep. Uh, and then you've got Katic, you know, creation under 21. You know, that spell that Rangers had up until the new year, obviously winning at Celtic Park, Katic was, was superb. Um, and Edmondson, who's come in, and again, you know, albeit in flashes, but you know, when you think of the Braga away game, for instance, he was he was outstanding. Um, again, another young guy learning his trade. I, I think Rangers still have got a good mix there at centre back. Um, you know, they're all on decent contracts. I say they're all at a good uh, a good age. I don't know if he'll need to sign another another one. Um, as you say, listen, there's maybe an argument for you know, getting an older head in. You know, Usually somebody might just clear the lines, but listen, I mean, if that's what you want, then just just tell Goldson and Helander to do that, or tell Goldson and Catties to do it. I think Rangers centre backs have taken too many risks this season at times, taken too many chances, and it's cost them uh, big time with with points and goals. Um, so I think if Steven Gerrard could just iron that out to these guys, then he would be quite happy. I I don't see centre back being a been a priority for them. I mean, as I say, you've got four four good centre backs there. They need time. No, I'm not saying they need time because they've, they've had enough time. But I think they will benefit. I don't think they'll benefit from somebody new coming in and shaking it up again. I think they would benefit from the four of them being together again next season. They're you know, working together every day, whatever the combination might be. I think the four of them will benefit from you know, the, the, all of them being there again next season um, and trying to better uh, how they've been how they've been this year. So I, I don't see centre back as being a big priority for Gerard when it comes to looking at, at new players coming in. What age is Davy Weir now, Scott? <laughs> you want Hammond? <laughs> Bring him back. <laughs> Organise the defence. No, Richard, I, I think. <laughs> I think Richard's a bit past it, but Davy, I think, could still probably play a few games. Um, right, uh, going to move on now to uh, midfield, attacking midfield area, Scott. So let's yeah. let's talk about everyone outside of the strikers. So the wide number 10s, the central midfield. Is there anyone in there you think that, that Rangers need, a type of player that they need in there? I, I still, and I've said this on the podcast for a long, long time, I still think you need to look at the likes of James Forrest for Celtic and what they produce on a goals and assists level. Yeah. And, and Rangers need someone like that that can come in and give you 15 goals and 15 assists from those that position. Now, now yeah, it might be that Hadji... Hard to find. Very hard to find. It might yeah. be that Hadji's that guy once he's had you know a full season of bedding into the Scottish Premiership. But it's a massive area of concern I would think for Rangers that in those areas they lack the same level of productivity as Celtic really in the other areas of the pitch there's, there's very little to, to differentiate the two sides in terms of clean sheets in no. terms of goals conceded it's it's those attacking wide areas or, or centralised in, in, in they, Rangers case listen they need, they need somebody to play wide right I mean that's a blind man can see that, no, with all due respect. They've tried. Steven Gerrard has now tried. Who's been there? Shea Ojo, Brandon Barker, yeah, Greg Stewart. Uh, he's tried Hadji out there. <clears throat> uh, he's tried Joe Aribo out there. Um, none of it has really worked. Aribo and flashes, sure. Hadji and flashes, as I've just said, I love Hadji, but I think he's a 
he's a central mid he's a central midfielder. He's got to play he's got to play from uh, central. I think that's where you get the best out of him. Um so he's tried various different players, he's signed players to play in that role. I think I think the one that he expected most of was probably uh, Ojo. Um when he got Ojo last summer, no, given that Ojo had a bit of experience behind him, he'd already kind of no, done his apprenticeship, if you like, out in loan. He played in the championship. He played abroad. No, he should have been ready, Ojo, to come in and really make an impact. And no, I'll hold my hands up at the start when I saw him. I thought that he that he would do a good job for Rangers. I thought he would produce big moments. Um, I thought his pace would would hurt teams, especially away from home. But it just hasn't worked for him. I don't see a. I don't see a kind of hunger and a desire from him uh, on the pitch to really go and make a mark and, and succeed at Rangers, which will be disappointing for for Gerard. It's kind of similar to maybe uh, you know, Ovi Ajaria the year the year before when he came for for Liverpool. So Ojo's been a big disappointment, and others just haven't worked. So clearly they need to sign a, a guy to play on the right the right flank. But whether that's a right footer like a James Forrest who will want to go on the outside and uh, no, get in behind teams and hurt them, or somebody a wee bit more cultured, um, more in the kind of Hadji mould, who you know, starts from wide and, and comes in on his left foot. I'm not sure, but they certainly need somebody, somebody proven who will play that, uh, no, that kind of on the right side of the the front three, and as you say, produce big numbers because no, the, 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 those guys that I mentioned, and even Ryan Kent. Uh, if you put him in there, I don't think has produced uh, the kind of numbers that Gerard would have hoped for this season. And finally, Scott, let's look at the striker situation. I think everyone expects Alfredo Morelos to, to leave at some point. Um, this situation, of course, could completely change that. Rangers might decide this is not the time to sell him on. This is not the yeah. time to recover full value and say, oh, listen, you're stuck here for another season, mate. You've got a very, very good contract. If you want to, um, you know, go at it with a, yeah. a, a glasses half full attitude, that's fine. But it means you're not going to get the move you want. If yeah, you go at right. it all guns blazing like you started the, the first half of this season, then you can start to think about getting a move to a big club again. Do you want yeah. to move to a Bordeaux or a Nice or a yeah. um, someone in, in mid-level of Serie A like a Parma? Or do you yeah. want to be going to a, a, a much better team or a Premier League team? Yeah, that's that's the question. I think I would be posing to Morelos' agents. I think you're right. Um, I think this what, what's happened with the uh, with the virus and stuff has um, kind of you know, shifted the goalposts a wee bit because um, listen, I I said a couple of weeks ago and I and I call him that you no know, Stephen Gerrard would have had a lot of time in his hands now to sit and reflect um, about everything at Rangers in terms of his squad and what players he might let go. And I think when he really looks at it, in terms of what Morelos... Listen, we know the goals he's produced. He's been brilliant for them. In terms of what he's cost them, just with the discipline, obviously the latest one being the the Hearts game at Tynecastle when he he came home late for for Columbia and stuff. I mean, that that was... I think that was massive. And Gerard, you could see... Just how disappointed um, and let down Gerard felt after that game, um, and I think Gerard, on reflection, will now be thinking almost beyond Alfredo Morelos for Rangers. And if I, you no, know, if a serious bid did come in, whenever 
whenever the tra- this transfer window might might open again, if a serious bid of you no know, ten million plus um, anything over ten million, I think Gerard would be tempted um, almost taking a cut of his losses with Morelos and use that money to try and get other people in, you no know, people that he could probably rely on more readily, um, kind of on and off the pitch if, if you like, um, but. As you say, there's there's a kind of new slant on it now because of everything that's happened. His value, Morelos's value, has clearly uh, no decreased over time. I think it was decreasing anyway, given his form uh, since the since the new year and everything else that had happened. But because of this, it'll have, it'll have decreased again. So I mean, you might not even get no nibbles at, at those kind of prices when when we eventually get the get the football back and. Well, you could be right. They, they might need to say to him and his representatives, "Listen, given everything that's happened, I know, I know your plan might have been to to go this summer, whether it to be England or Spain or whatever. However, no, no, you need to stay for another another year. We've got a, you need to prove again why we think you're worth. Well, never mind ten million. We think you could be worth twenty when you're when you're at it and firing. Um, and if that happens. Listen, I'm sure the I'm sure the fans wouldn't be disappointed, and it would then be up to Morelos to go and show what he can do again. Somehow get his somehow get his form back and get his get his value up again. Right, Scott. We're going to move on to a pre-recorded interview I did with uh, Chris, one of the admins of Rangers on Tour, the biggest Rangers fan site on Facebook. Uh, the guys behind the page have launched a mental health website that brings together all the numbers and information you might need if you're struggling. It's a brilliant idea, and in times like these, really, really welcome. Here's Chris to tell us more. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about how this We Are page came around? Um, I think during my time um, with my own personal issues with uh, mental health and how trying to reach out to get assistance, you know, speaking to doctors, or I wanted to go to counselling and as an admin on the page, I thought, I've got a big platform here. Why don't we? There must be fans just like me. And there's people who sit around me at, at Highbrooks who are going through issues and, you know, who are off with uh, anxiety and depression. So I decided that I wanted to use this, you know, as a platform. And it was kind of came about round about the start of February. But we launched it in March. And then subsequently, when all this coronavirus uh, outbreak happened you know it's starting to really take control because of the amount of um, mental health charities out there who are looking to get um, you know a shout out and also people who are looking for advice. Yeah I mean this this seems like the the best possible time uh, in retrospect to launch this because there's so many people struggling out there aren't there this, this virus and the effects of this virus can affect anyone, it doesn't matter if you've got money you don't have money it's indiscriminate in that sense, and, and people are struggling everywhere. Um, so this this is a really big help, I would imagine, at this time. And if you explain exactly what they'll find when they go onto the website and and the website's address, Chris. Uh, the website is www.rangersontour.co.uk/slash/we-are. That that's the section. Um, initially, it was just going to be a website for us, and then. We're going to do two separates, but we decided to join them together. Um, when you go onto it, what we're looking to do is for people to contact us and we will point them in the direction of charities or organisations within their area. 
because I think that, you know, Google's a great tool, but unless you know specifically what you're looking for, you're going to end up in many blind alleys. So what we're looking for people to do is to say, you know, I live in Dundee. You know, what 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 is it around about for me? So we've got the chari- we've got charities coming to us, and what we're doing is we're trying to partner up with people in the area who need need the assistance, and and also as well it depends. Like if there we've got um, people who are. Uh, ex-military or people who are just like you know day-to-day workers or something like that. so we don't want to put people with organizations that specialize with you know ex-military people but that's that's ultimately what we're wanting to do but it's but again it's just like it's all baby steps just now but it's more about just kind of pointing people in the right direction i, I know you've said you've had your own issues um with mm-hmm. mental health is that what prompted this uh, with the other admins that run the facebook page um, that this, or was it a sense that there are people out there that are struggling that need help? Because obviously this did start before this coronavirus situation took hold. So, so what was it that, that kind of prompted the, the move to actually give this help to people or provide a platform where they can find the help? Um, I do think it's probably down to like how I was feeling at the time. And also um, there's a guy, one of the guys that sits in front of me at the football and we talk about everything talk about football, we talk about life in general and we talk about family and work and stuff like that and he was and it's one of those things where if I didn't make it, I knew he was struggling and if I didn't make it to the game and my dad took my ticket, I was like going to have a word with him and see how he's doing and then my dad get back from the football I'd phone my dad, how was the football and then we'd talk about how, it's the same as like, you know, there's people all different ages round about and you want to know it's the same as well like but when people come to the game and if my dad's there they're all like oh you know where's chris or you know the last like, they'll, they'll turn around and go oh your dad was here the last time you know so everybody all kind of gets to know each other so uh, what i what i want especially now that there isn't any football i want i don't i don't want people to lose that you know that focus or something to, to kind of take their take their mind off it because i think that if you get caught in your own mind, you can, you know, you can go to, uh, go down quite a dark path. So you're, it's always good to try and, you know, give something. And I, I, and I thought I would rather be proactive in my own mental health than, you know, sit about. So I was like, I, I thought I would, you know, us as in the page that we would be the change, and we would try and, you know, be that that kind of that help that, that fans need but again it's not a, we, we never set this up to be this is purely Rangers we wanted this so fans of other clubs would see the template and they would do one for themselves yeah absolutely because it's, it's it's very much about giving people all the information in one place isn't it so you can go yeah. onto that website and you can find the most appropriate charity for you yeah. as you say yeah. if you're if you're a former military man if you're a, if dependent on what the the mental health situation that you have, you might be bipolar. Yeah. Then you've got the correct charity that you can go go to yeah. and get help. Um, exactly, because because the, the the term mental health is such a blanket statement. Because you know, again, we were just me and my partner were discussing this the other day. See if you've got OCD, the the germ based one. This yeah. must be the absolute worst time of your life right now. If you suffer from anxiety or, or, or anything like that, like all these things kind of heighten it. So it gives you, 
we just wanted to kind of give people, you know, that there is there is something out there, and and also the fact as well, a lot of people Rangers as their life, they'll look at our page before they they look at the news or even bother looking at the news. So we feel we've got we've, we've got a bit of a, a responsibility to kind of help people, like we've been doing recently as well. We've been doing a bit on the page where we're giving. Every Monday, we call it a business shout-out. So anybody who runs their own business can put likes on the page. And so therefore, you know, because the page has got such a, a big following, you know, if you're, you know, a plasterer or a, you know, um, landscape gardener or, or whatever, or a, a mechanic or whatever, it just gives you a chance to kind of get your, get your name out there. And, and do you get the sense as well that in this time without football that kind of exacerbates these issues we're talking about. Because for a lot of people, football is a pressure release valve. You go along to the football, you can forget about your problems, you can shout at the referee, you can shout at the opposition, and you can, in a way, just let out all those pressures that have been building up for the week. Is, is that a, is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I think so for myself. It's like, um, obviously, you know, your, your mood to, to changes between wins and losses or whatever, but it's... It's the experience of going to the games that I miss. Like this discussion of like behind closed door games, and it's all going to be on the telly. Like, like don't get me wrong, I like watching a game on the telly. But if you gave me a choice between watching it on the telly or being there, I would rather be there. It's the same as like I've always had a dream of like you know if I ever came into vast sums of money, I'd want to travel the world and go to all the big derbies. You know, watching them on the telly is one thing, but going, pff, I would love to go to that live. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Chris, just before That's... I let you, just before I let you go, um, just reform that um, email address, the, sorry, the web address for anyone who might want to go onto the site. It's uh, www.rangersontour.co.uk/slash/we-are. That's a great uh, thing for people to get involved in. Thank you very much for coming on the Record Rangers podcast. Thanks very much. So, Scott, a very, very worthwhile cause there, I think. Oh, unbelievable, Johnny. I mean, the, the, a brilliant a brilliant idea. Um, I hadn't heard of it until you until you mentioned it, but no, the way society is now in terms of how aware we are um, now of you know, mental health and the problems that it can that it can bring and how much you know, people are suffering, uh, a lot of the time you know, suffering in silence, then something like this... I think you no know, bringing kind of football, uh, you no know, kind of football fraternity together. I think is brilliant, and the, the idea that you no know, Rangers fans being able to go into this site if they're struggling and you no know, find the right numbers, uh, find the right people to speak to um, at the touch of a button. But also, I think crucially to just to talk to other other like-minded uh, people who support the same club. I just think it's a brilliant idea, and yet another example of how. Know how you can use football. Um, no, it, it kind of reminds me a wee bit about the kind of football memories charity that's been set up. You no, know, people for you no know, people are struggling with dementia and stuff. You no, know, they can use football and you no know, watching old games and videos and or hearing things for the past and that can can help them help them through it. This is another great initiative as I say there's a lot of people struggling out there, especially at this current time where we are just now, obviously in, in isolation. People who are kind of you know, susceptible to mental health issues will be finding it even more difficult. You know, being stuck in the house a lot of time on their own, um, you no know, getting to speak to people. So the, the thought of uh, of them being able to go online 
we'll hook up with other other Rangers fans who've got similar interests, but also um, importantly, you know, to find the the right numbers um, to contact if they you know if they need to get in touch with somebody or they need to ask for help. I just think it's a great it's a great idea. Moving on just to our final point, Scott, uh, Rangers 3, Celtic 2, 2002 uh, Scottish Cup final, I think yep. gave a lot of people uh, who are Rangers fans, <laughs> perhaps not the other side of the city, <laughs> a, a fair bit of pleasure uh, having missed out on football for a number of weeks now. Uh, it was really, really fascinating actually to watch the game. I haven't watched anything but maybe the goals and 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 in the intervening years really yeah. so watching the game again it was quite interesting because there was a lot of things about it that that, that had gone from the memory bank so things like I thought Morris Ross was was terrific in the game yeah uh, I always was... remember Morris Ross as being a sort of bit part who who wasn't terif- particularly good but he was he was outstanding yeah, yeah. Um, the class think, of Ronald yeah, Boer and Barry I, I, Ferguson think, as well I, I think he was outstanding in terms of Morris Ross I think you're right I think he was outstanding in a different type of way to what you would say James Tavernier is outstanding now. I mean, he never, yeah. watching the game again, there was maybe only, in the whole game, maybe you know, three or four times that Morris Ross got into the, the final third you know, to put to put crosses in, maybe a, a wee bit more in the second half when Rangers were, were on top. But you know, outstanding in a different way in terms of defensively. Know, having to deal with really good players uh, on that side for Celtic, we think of something like Alan Thompson and the, um, know, the problems that he would cause you. Uh, really solid, didn't take chances. Know, cleared these lines when he had to. No, all the things that you kind of, that you used to kind of take for granted, but now you see less of. Um, and I think I mentioned to you there. I felt the same about the about the centre backs. Um, Amaruso and Moore, no, were brilliant players. Um, for Rangers, you no, know, at their peak, outstanding centre backs. But you watch that game, you no, know, the other night, they're up against, you no, know, Larson and Hartson, you no, know, a brilliant, you no, know, front pairing, especially Larson, obviously. And the two of them, you no, know, Amoruso, uh, didn't cover himself in glory at the set pieces. I think he said after he was kind of struggling with an injury. But in terms of their general defending, didn't take any chances, Johnny. No, no, passing it around at the back, no inviting pressure, um, cleared the lines, did what they had to do. I thought that was listen. I know the game's changed, no, since two thousand and two. No, it's changed, uh, no, dramatically in terms of how teams play out for the back. But I thought it was just refreshing to see two centre backs that just wanted to wanted to defend um, and deal with two proper proper strikers. Yeah, uh, uh, Barry Ferguson, we can't allow his name not to be mentioned with, no. when we're talking about this cup final. Uh, a really iconic performance, uh, demanding the ball, cajoling his teammates. He was just a young guy at that stage as well. He wasn't exactly yeah. um, you know, an experienced pro. I think he was only 22 or 23. Yeah. But he really, really stood out. Just the mark of a good player operating at a very high level is that they just look like they have so much time on the ball every time they get it, no matter what situation they get the ball in. Exactly. And the two players that I felt had that were Ronald De Boer and Barry Ferguson. They just never yeah. looked ruffled, even as the chaos was enveloping them. Yeah, exactly. Um, You've hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the game was played at a frantic pace. 
you know, going end to end at times, and yeah, every time Ferguson get the ball, he somehow managed to get his head up and just have you know, have time on it and pick the right pick the right pass, do the right thing. Um, no, he was outstanding. He was the best player on the on the pitch. Uh, De Boer showed it in flashes. Like he said afterwards, he had a wee injury as well. But he, as I say, you seen in flashes what he was what he was capable of in terms of his close control. Um, I thought before he went off, uh, Kanija had that as well. No, you forget how good he was for that that short spell. Um, I thought in the first twenty minutes of the game before he got injured. No, his course control and stuff was brilliant. As as I say, when, when there's kind of chaos going on round that round about him, um, I think he'd have went on to a really good good game if he'd have stayed in the pa- stayed in the pitch. But you're right, Ferguson probably head and shoulders. I mean, we think he's as you say a young guy in there. You look at Celtic midfield that started Lambert, Lennon, and Petrov. You no, know, to go in there and basically dictate the you no know, dictate the game dictate the tempo of the game tells you everything about how just how good Barry Ferguson was yeah absolutely right that's it for this podcast we're going to call it a day here but a little bit longer than normal an hour and 10 minutes but uh, we hope that you've got plenty of time to get through it so uh, you'll be fine with that uh, we will be back this time next week with another episode looking at all the latest Rangers news. If you want to continue the debate you can on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. And if you like the podcast, please go online and give us a five-star review at iTunes as this helps get the podcast to as many listeners as possible. Until next time, stay safe, look after your family, look after each other, and thanks for listening. <laughs>